0: Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert, visionary, and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Sarah Hodges. She is a president and founder of Hodges Coaching. She's a certified coach, speaker, and creator of the A-plus Method the stress matrix, and the conversation algorithms. The powerful A-plus method helps clients get out of their way and to excel in business and thrive in life. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today.
1: Yeah. So tell me about your journey. How did you become an executive coach? My journey was a loop-de-loop. It had a lot of unexpected twists and turns. I was an opera singer, And I lost 90 pounds and became a personal trainer. And then I became a wellness coach. And then I was in finance for a while. And then I became an executive coach, which everyone wonders how the heck are all of those things combined. But the thread throughout all of it was that I was always a student. I was always learning, reading primary studies from science, taking the hottest new certification, uh, whatever I could do to learn more about the body and the mind and stress and how to perform and how to show up as your best self. And Eventually, it made sense for me to land on executive coaching because it felt like it combined all of my skills in terms of being your best self in a very high-pressure environment, whether it was opera or finance, quite frankly. and. I love working with leaders because when leaders make a change, the ripple effect is so much further and wider throughout their families, communities, businesses, that I feel like I'm making more of an impact. So it's been a really rewarding loop-de-loop to where I've landed now. In walking through your journey, what are you grateful for now? I think for all of the hurdles that I had to overcome in that, it was like a loop-de-loop through rings of fire it was pretty much how my life was. And I think that when I had to overcome a challenge or overcome a trauma or a difficult experience, it propelled my learning. I dug deeper. I looked for answers for how to overcome it and really had almost like a post-traumatic growth experience after every single one. So I learned to become extraordinarily resilient and learned really unique tools to get past those difficult adversities that I can then give to my clients when they face difficult adversities or everyday adversities.
0: So you have the A plus method, you have the stress matrix and uh, conversation algorithms. Can you talk a little bit about what those are?
1: yeah absolutely. I would say that the a plus method is our most tested method it 's a very powerful approach. We were talking a little bit about marketing earlier and it 's funny because what happens when I tell people about the a plus method is I start digging really deep into the neuroscience and start talking about you know the atrophy of the prefrontal cortex. So my marketing person is like, No, stop it so really, well, how I describe it is that everybody has a stress bucket right that 's typically overflowing with Toxic chronic stress. And most coaches then come and say, Hey, let's set some goals. But for a high powered executive or a leader who typically is very self motivated, that's like putting a fire hose in the stress bucket. You know, it just overflows even more. They get more stressed out, they become more reactive, or they fail and they feel terrible about it. What we do instead is we teach our leaders how to drain their stress buckets first. And then we teach them a new way to approach goals that is sustainable and not stress-inducing. So what ends up happening is they actually meet their goals or what I call aims much faster because they're not tripping themselves up before they even get started. That process of draining it helps them get out of their own way before they start on their journey and end up getting in their own way later.
0: Can you share a little bit of how you go about that process of draining that? And is it a real difficult process or is it something that's pretty simple?
1: It can be. For some people, it can be a difficult process depending on how many beliefs they have that are rooted or or a mindset they have that's rooted in a lot of black and white thinking. One of the ways that we help people drain their stress bucket is getting really curious and open to other ideas and other outcomes and to really turn on their empathy and their self-compassion and be a little bit kinder to themselves. And some people are very resistant to that because it sounds like they're enabling themselves, like they're going to become complacent But what we know from brain science is that the opposite is true, that the higher someone is in trait self-compassion, usually the higher they are in resilience and intrinsic motivation. So we use a lot of tools around awareness and acceptance, again, not for the purpose of becoming complacent, but for the purpose of draining that chronic stress, changing that mindset so it's more positive, more supportive, and not so much of you being your own slave driver. That's very stress inducing. And then we teach people how to take on new goals without being their own slave driver. So it's more intrinsic. Well, that's really interesting.
0: Why is it important for people to deal with personal stress and how does it affect
1: a a team? You know, it's funny. So let's bring in, you know, you asked about the conversation algorithms as well. So when someone's not dealing with their personal stress, they end up being fairly myopic, you know, kind of closed-minded, focused on exactly the outcome that they want that they think is going to bring them relief or they're completely scattered. They tend to be very reactive. They have a hard time seeing people through the lens of empathy and understanding where they're coming from. So through the A-plus method and conversation algorithms, when we teach people how to drain their own stress bucket and we teach them self-compassion and how to self-soothe, then we want to teach them how to provide that space for others that are around them. Because most of the people who are working with them on their team have their own overflowing stress buckets. So if you can first self-regulate and then create the framework in a conversation that helps the other person that you're speaking with feel psychologically safe and open and receptive to the conversation as opposed to their defense mechanisms flying off the handle, that's going to help everybody have more solutions-oriented, productive conversations and is going to support the entire team to thrive. What does it mean to be able to self-manage? I think self-manage comes down to self-governance, the ability to govern yourself and stay in balance so you don't get too out of extreme, like moderation, so to speak. In a sense, it's self-parenting, self-leading, emotional regulation, so self-regulation of your emotions. And that can be really challenging for people, especially when they're overstressed. Their nervous system is hyper-aroused, it's on overdrive, and they're trying to self-soothe, and they're trying to self-soothe with coping mechanisms, whether it's they're withdrawing, right? and they're just into Netflix or they're binging on food or alcohol, whatever it may be, a lot of people have tremendous difficulty regulating that nervous system. So self-managing is the ability to do that with yourself and in relationships with other people. I hear a lot about emotional intelligence and how do you define it for leadership
0: and how does it affect your ability to lead?
1: Yeah, I would say emotional intelligence Is the ability to see beyond the behavior. So oftentimes, leaders who are frustrated will come in and say, you know, they just think that they're going to get whatever they want, or, you know, they just don't appreciate what we're doing for them. They're just taking advantage of us. There's a lot of labels that are happening. And what happens when leaders apply labels is that one, they're just telling themselves a story, right? And they're only seeing through the lens of that story. And then The behavior that they're getting back is going to kind of choose what behavior reinforces that story. And it makes it really difficult for that employee or staff member or team member to change or to show up as a fully dynamic person with multiple emotions. So emotional intelligence, as far as I'm concerned, is being able to look at the behavior and say, hmm, you know, it feels like they're taking advantage of us. I wonder what's driving this. Where is this coming from? And being able to get curious with that person, demonstrate some empathy, ask open-ended questions, seek to understand, set some boundaries, you know, and have that conversation, which is why we provide the conversation algorithms, because that's a very difficult conversation to have. But it's a framework for how to be emotionally intelligent. But it starts with that curiosity piece. It starts with that empathy piece of saying, you know, this isn't a bad person. So what else is happening here?
0: That is profound in so many ways, because how easy is it for us to just label, just make a judgment? And, you know, we see this all in society right now of everything that we're going through with, you know, COVID and all of this, where it's so easy to look at somebody else and make a full decision about them based off of one thing. Yeah, that's powerful. So how can leaders use what you teach and in other areas of their lives? How does it spill out into their personal lives?
1: You know, it's funny you ask that because when I'm at the end of an engagement with a leader, I always ask them the question, so what about this process or your results surprise you the most? And nine times out of ten, they say, you know, I get along a lot better with my wife, or I feel like I'm a lot closer to my kids. You know, if you have a mom or a dad who struggles, who has that stress bucket overflowing, where do you think it's gonna show up the most? right? It's going to show up at home the most behind closed doors where it feels safer, where people unconditionally love you. But once they start to emotionally regulate and empty that stress bucket and they turn up their empathy, then they do the same thing for their teenager who's acting out. They say, I wonder what's going on there. Instead of they're just being such a little entitled brat, whatever it may be, they start to get curious and say, you know, you must be feeling really blank to be doing blank. Can you tell me more about it? And then the conversations at home are changing. So in pretty much every single case study I have, somebody either comes to me for family and they apply it to business, or in most cases, they come to me for business and they apply the tools to their families. And I've seen marriages that have been, they've been saved. Romance that has been reignited. People who've said that their entire family dynamic has become much more healthier and open and easier. And honestly, for me, that's really where it's at. When I see my clients not just being better leaders, but better parents and better family members. What is your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? This is from hindsight is 2020, right? Like I I think just putting one step in front of the next, some of my curly cues in my journey is what got me through. But as I look back, it's recognizing that there is no right path. I just had a coaching conversation with a client about this yesterday. There is no right path. It's just about showing up authentically and staying true to your values on whatever path you're on and making the best decision you have with the information you have at the time. And if you navigate life that way, as opposed to always being focused on the next path and the right path and making a right decision versus a wrong decision, you know, That dualistic thinking—it's very stress-inducing because it raises the stakes, right? If I choose wrong, that I'm screwed. Whereas more of if I I'm going to choose as best as I can, and if it doesn't work out, I have the inner tools to get through that.
0: Yeah, that's really good. What are some of your success stories?
1: I've been working with the CEO for the last couple of years, and you know, like everyone else, they have been struggling with finding people to fill roles right? There's a job shortage right now, or not a job shortage, uh, like a, a people shortage. You know what I'm trying to say? And recently, because of that, they've been overstressing many of their staff members. I'm choosing my words carefully to keep it very confidential because I'm always big on confidentiality with my clients. But so they're overstressing their staff members. And they recently had several people leave for you know mental health reasons, like the job was too stressful. And at first, there was some frustration. So we use A plus method to self-soothe, right, with this executive. And then there were some labels. So we used the conversation algorithms to how to look through the lens of empathy and, and change the conversations that this individual was having with his staff. But then when we use the stress matrix, that's when it became really powerful. Because I say that stress lives on three different levels. It lives on the individual level, right? So those individuals who left were too stressed out. And it's on the relationship level. Right. So typically, if there's not enough communication or kind of toxic communication or not enough trust, that's going to add stress on that layer. And there's also systemic stress, something about the system for this, because all the people who left in the same position, like in different areas, something about that position was too stress inducing. And this particular individual kind of kept wanting to say, but we do this to support them. We do that to support them. And I say, but something about the system is causing too much stress. And so very recently, he was able to then zoom out and look at the system as opposed to the individuals who were struggling and as opposed to the relationship he had with them. And they are now in the process of making some systemic changes in that organization and improve areas of relationship support and give them more help to support themselves you know, individually with stress so that they know how to manage it better. So they're dealing with it on all levels, which is ultimately helping the entire organization rise and be more sustainable with fewer people, you know, which is going to make it more agile in the future. Now, to me, That is an incredible success story because you have the evolution and the growth of the leader, and you have the evolution and growth of the relationships and how they're looking at each other and an improvement in culture, and you have an evolution of the system. So it's more supportive of the humans who work for it.
0: That's really great. I think that that's so important because when you're in the middle of it, it's almost impossible to look objectively because of the relationships that you have, right? And, and to your point, I think that that's a, a powerful thing that you're doing as far as the systems goes and looking at the processes and changing those things versus say, oh, well, that person can't handle it. Or it's, you know, it's just so much more productive in getting the results that you want.
1: Absolutely. and it, yeah. And you're right. It is hard to be in the middle of it. And honestly, that's why I'm a coach. Because I have the clarity of distance, right? Any coach does. We have the clarity of distance. We can see the broad picture, which is very difficult for leaders when they're in the middle of it. It's nearly impossible. And I think that's the power of coaching is having that like brain or those eyeballs outside of your organization who can look in and say, wait a second. Yeah, definitely. doesn't matter what you're doing if
0: you're in it, it's almost impossible to see the big picture. So if you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be?
1: Oh man, I would say to slow down there's jokes about Sarah speed, right? Because I, I just love to consume information and make decisions and, and do what I'm going to do very quickly. And that was a large source of my chronic stress, the feeling like I had to figure everything out. But really, my lack of figuring things out is what ultimately helped me collect the varied information and the varied experiences I had that have helped me create the methodology I have now that's so effective. And so I would tell myself to slow down and just enjoy the moment. I feel like I sped through all of it and didn't get that chance. And now I have a toddler. And I'm thankful that at this time in my life, I'm finally able to remind myself to really slow down because I can just soak in all those special moments with her. So I finally learned it. And it's better late than never, really. <laughs> yeah, I think that's
0: something we all have to learn, especially if, you know when you have your own business. It's so easy to work nonstop. If you oh don't gosh, have I somebody holding you cannibal, you know, mm-hmm. there is no, oh, I've got to commute home now because yes, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. so if somebody is listening and they want to uh, work with you, I do want to mention your website, HodgesCoaching.com. What's the best way for them
1: to contact you? they can shoot me a message on LinkedIn. They can easily find me, Sarah Hodges. I think it's LinkedIn slash in slash Sarah A. Hodges. Make sure the A is in there. There's an H at the end of my name, but, or they can use the contact form on my webpage. Just scroll down and schedule an inquiry call with me and we can get together and talk about how our proprietary methods can help you or your organization. Perfect. And I'll put all those links down below Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and
0: sharing all of your insights. And I think that there's so many people out there that are listening that can benefit from all of your services.
1: It was my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity,
0: Amy. Yes. And if you're listening, you want more information about a call to thrive. You can go to a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone. And have a wonderful week.